Amen. Thank you, Connie. Wow. Praise the Lord. I don't know how many of you maybe feel like that this morning. <laughs> Went to get a bottle of water. I didn't know if it would stand up straight or not. Maybe some of you are kind of feeling that way this morning. It's okay. Be encouraged. Thank you, Connie, for, uh, for that song and the choir today. Wow. You've, you've kind of set the stage for what we want to talk about. And um, I'm going to invite you, if you have your Bible, to open it to Acts chapter 2. Uh, when I was filling in for our brother Heath, back, I guess, over the summer, we looked at this passage briefly, uh, not knowing I would be standing here in front of you. Uh, again, at this point in time, God has a great sense of humor. Uh, but Acts chapter 2, we're going to get into the Word in just a minute. But uh, I want to invite you this morning to think about how blessed you are and to think about all the great things God has given us. And uh, we're going to show that clip. I haven't forgotten. Sorry, I'm throwing our tech crew a curveball. I'm, I'm learning to operate with them. Uh, one of my favorite shows, though, well, I'll just let them play it and see if any of you relate to this particular show. I liked it fine. Wasn't that supermarket an eye-opener? Best middle store I ever did see. Wonderful. Now let's get busy and start plowing. <laughs> <laughs> Granny, I thought you'd done give up the idea of growing your own vittles. I did, till I went through that thing they call the checkout stand where you pay for what you got. Well, I went through one of them. I thought it was pretty fair. Well, buy dinghies when I can't buy a sack of vittles for $5,000, and I'm going to start growing my own. $5,000? Cold cash, my life savings. I handed that girl $5,000 and she handed it back to me. Said it wouldn't buy nothing. <laughs> well, no wonder, Granny. It's Confederate. <laughs> so am I. I don't know if you've ever run into that problem before, uh, or not using Confederate money. Probably not. Probably not. You know, it has been said that if you really want to know what is near and dear to people, uh, look at their checkbook. I know we live in a modern age now where most of us, some of us maybe are still writing checks, but most of us have the card that we just, we just swipe. Some of you may have Confederate money. I don't know. Um, but it's been said that that really is the true test of where we, uh, where our heart lies. Um, I was telling several people this past week, uh, this will probably be one of the hardest messages that I ever get to share with my family here at Crossroads, not, not because you need to hear it, but because over the last 10 years, uh, God had to really rip my heart out and do some massive heart surgery to help me understand his heart when it comes to giving and stewardship. I've been a believer for about 30 years and I thought I understood his heart, but until the last decade I really came to realize I didn't know too much about what he had a heart for. Or maybe the level of passion 
that God has when it comes to giving. I mean, think about this for just a second. One of the reasons that we're blessed, we've heard it this morning already, I think, in, in a prayer, maybe even in a song, is because the creator of the world was generous enough to give the thing most precious to him, which was his son. Most of us know that verse in John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world, he gave. He gave. We serve a generous God. One of my prayers as your pastor of Crossroads, and I think our staff would echo this, is that the community out there would identify, one of our identifiers, one of our markers of our church fellowship would be that we are a generous church. Because if God owns everything, then you and I should walk around like this. But most Christ followers, including this guy till about a decade ago, walked around like this. I think God laughs sometimes, almost like we do. Those of you who have had your kids grow up and you remember the me, my, mine, and you would, they would have a toy or maybe they would have something in their hands and they would be clenched onto it. And you might even want to trade it for something better as a parent, but they would be grasping onto that so tightly. And I think sometimes God looks at us and has the same kind of experience. It's like, why are you holding on to that so tight? I want to give you something better, but you're holding on to that going, that's mine, that's mine, that's mine. And yet he is the creator of the universe. I, I guess it was probably, oh my goodness, maybe 10, well longer than that, probably 15 years ago. Uh, Lynette and I, maybe longer than that. We've been married 23 years, so maybe longer than that. Not too long in our, in our marriage. We lived in a little four-room four uh, townhouse in Spartanburg. And you would come in, and you would walk right into the little den, maybe 12 by 12 den, and then there was a kitchen behind that was, that was much smaller. You'd go up some stairs, and there were two bedrooms. I mean, we, we, uh, we were so poor we couldn't even afford to pay attention. I mean, that's how poor we were. I mean, we, we were, did not have anything, seriously. Uh, I was on the road doing itinerant ministry, and I was lucky. You know, I was traveling primarily for love offering with churches, and I was doing a lot of student ministry. And I love our students here, but most student events, if I were to go do a love offering, I got enough to swing through Mickey D's and get a Happy Meal, and then I prayed on gas fumes to get to the next place, uh, which was okay. God took care of me. But, I mean, we were poor, and I remember we had one vehicle uh, that Lynette had when she was teaching at the School for the Deaf and Blind, where she taught for many years. And we had one vehicle, and we were managing trying to get around with one vehicle. And I remember us praying, what are we going to do, what are we going to do? And we didn't really tell a lot of people. We, we just prayed and just said, God's going to have to do something here, because we have no money for a car budget. And we were just praying, praying, praying. The next week I get a phone call and there was another friend. He's kind of one of my best friends over the years. We've done a lot of ministry together. He was in a similar boat with his, with his wife. They had one car. And we get a phone call and this gentleman, uh, if I told him, said his name, most of us in here would, would know this person, so I won't do that. But he called and he said, uh, I need you to ride out to my house in Inman. 
And I said, well, I'd love to ride out there and see you, but I got a little problem. I don't have a way to come out there. He said, well, see if you can borrow somebody's car, your wife's car, whatever, and get out here. And I need you to come visit me. So we jumped in the car, my buddy and I, and we head out to Inman. And we get to his house, and we drive down this long gravel driveway, and we pull up in the house. We go inside, and we sit down. And he finally, his, his wife had met us, and he finally comes out and sits down. And he's looking at us, and he says, guys, I've got a problem. And we were like, okay, what, what's your problem? He said, well, he said, my, my kids are gone off to college. We, we got them some, we upgraded their vehicles. We, we've taken care of them. He said, my problem is this. I have more cars now than I have people. He said, so there's two cars sitting out there in the field run well, new tires, just had them tuned up. Both of them are Hondas. He said, so I'm going to give the key, put the keys here on the table and you guys can decide who gets which one. And I remember driving out of his driveway thinking, God, what in the world? Because we hadn't told a lot of people. Our family knew, our immediate family knew, but God showed up. I wish we had many hours for the service today. We don't. I'm going to get you out in time. That's one of hundreds of stories that I could share with you how God has shown up in our life when he kind of grabbed our heart and helped us understand his heart when it comes to giving. Some of you have some similar stories, I'm sure. Tonight, you're going to have an opportunity to share some of those, so I hope you'll come back. So if you've got your Bible, let's look at it together. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, we're going to jump in at verse 41. The key verse really is verse 45. So then those who had received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles' And all those who had believed were together. They had all things in common. And then here's the verse I want us to look at, verse 45. They began selling their property and possessions and were sharing with them all, as anyone might have need. This is what the early church did. This was a characteristic of the early church. They were a giving and a generous people. It's kind of hard, first, first couple of sermons as a new pastor to talk about giving, but I know our new church year is coming up, our new budget year is coming up. I've had the privilege, just because of how God laid this out, being here for the last several months before I even knew I would be the pastor, to have discussions with the staff and the team and many of our church leadership and to hear the vision and the ideas that God has placed in your heart for Crossroads. Men and women, I want to challenge you. If things are going to grow and we're going to accomplish God's mission we talked about last week for Crossroads and the vision he has for us, insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. So we, me, my family, you, your family, we're going to have to step up and ask God this question, Lord, what do you want me to do? What's my part in this puzzle? And I'm excited about that. Because I have seen God move in an incredible way in the past 
when it comes to this issue of giving. There's another verse, if you want to just write this down or uh, take a note here in Proverbs 3, verse 27. I love this. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is, when it is in your power to act. C.S. Lewis says it this way. He said, every belief that you have, every faculty you have, your power of thinking or of moving your limbs from moment to moment is given you by God. If you devoted every moment of your whole life exclusively to his service, you could not give him anything that was not in a sense his already. When that clicked for me, Men and women, when that clicked for me, and I'd been a believer for a long time, 20 plus years, when that truth finally clicked in my mind, I started walking around like this. Letting God put things in my hand and take things out. Because he gives and he takes away, we just sung it. Because it's his prerogative, because he's the owner. He owns it all. He's given us the opportunity to be a steward of it. So how do, how do we cultivate this kind of mindset? How do we cultivate this kind of heart? That's what I want to talk about this morning. How do we become generous? Show me the money. Some of you remember the movie with that phrase in there, show me the money. How do we do that? How do we have a generous heart? Here's the first thing. We've got to open our eyes. We've got to open our eyes. There is a saying in the Christian community, you may have heard it, uh, Lord, help us be the hands and feet of Jesus. That's a great, that's a great idea. That's a great concept. But what I've discovered is you and I will never be the hands and feet of Jesus until we have the eyes of Jesus. Because the Bible tells us in the book of Matthew, when Jesus saw the crowds, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. He was moved to change and do something in such a way that would demonstrate compassion and love when he saw them. So the first question I would ask myself this morning is, am I living with eyes of awareness it's difficult to do in, in today's world because most of us are thinking, myself included, about meeting my own needs. Well, I need to do this. I need to get here. And I've got this task list. And oh, I need to, I need to stop by the store. And we need, we need, we need, we need. We've got to start thinking, what do they need? What do the people out there need? What does my neighbor need? And asking God to open our eyes and give us his eyes of understanding. You know, I think that a non-giving Christian, a non-giving Christian is an oxymoron. That should not exist. I'm not even sure it can biblically exist, a non-giving Christian. That's kind of an oxymoron, by the way. It's kind of like jumbo shrimp, okay, <laughs> our, our small giant. Those words don't go together. Non-giving Christian, that doesn't go together. If you and I have been touched by the most generous gift of God through His Son, then we should be living out some semblance of giving in our lives. And again, I, I, this, is, this is testimony. Please don't hear this this morning as this. This is testimony I'm sharing with you 20 years ago. Somebody finally said to me what I'm saying to you. If you're a child of God and God has given you the ultimate gift of His Son and there's not a heart for giving in you, you might want to check your heart. And I had to check my heart. If his characteristic is to pour out his blessings, we just sung about my characteristic should be if I'm connected to him, he's my father and I'm his son, I should be 
flowing out blessings. I remember my son going to the Dominican Republic. I can't remember if I've shared this story or not. On our first trip, by the way, I want to take some of you with me at the end of December. Some of you have already come up to me and said you're interested, so let me know. We went on that trip. We came back. I think he was about nine years old. We came back, and he says, I want to have a family meeting. Have I shared this with some of you? And the next thing we know, we're having this meeting with him, and he says, uh, Mom and Dad, I need to get rid of everything in my room. And we're like, get rid of everything in your room. We, we knew because of what he had seen, his heart had been touched. And so we started to quiz him. We said, well, are you going to, you know, are you going to get rid what are you going to, what about your nightstand? Where are you going to put your lamp? He goes, I don't need a lamp. There's a, there's a, hello, Dad. There's a light in the ceiling. There's a switch. Hello, what do I need a lamp for? Okay, okay, okay. I'm like, well, your chest drawers, where are you going to put your clothes? Where are you going to, he's like, hello, Dad, I have a closet. I have hangers. I'll hang up my socks. I'll hang up my underwear. I'll just hang everything up. It's like, okay, you got it figured out. So we finally decided after talking, we said, okay, here's what we'll do. Nine, ten years old, we said, you, you have to get a good night's sleep. So what we do is you have to keep your bed, at least keep your bed. He's like, oh, okay, 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 keep my bed. Men and women, that's been 10, 11 years ago. The only thing in his room, if you come to our house now, is his bed. Praise God. That's not me being a good dad. That is a supernatural understanding of a generous God and giving and understanding what God's heart is. Because he came back and he realized something that most Americans don't understand the difference between needs and wants. Don't get me wrong. I like having a nice bed. I like a nightstand. Those are, those are fine. The objects are not what's evil. It's not money that's evil. James says the love of money is the problem. When we raise the level of money above our heart for God, that's where we get into trouble. So we've got to open our eyes. The second thing that we've got to do is we've got to open up our wallet. What's in your wallet, the commercial says? And when I think stewardship, and maybe you've heard this in church settings before, you, you get a little antsy, and I understand because I grew up in that kind of church, and I don't want you to feel that way this morning. Because a lot of us, when we hear the word stewardship, we think that that means having a budget and trying to get out of a debt. Some of us think that stewardship is, well, writing a check to the church each month. Some people think stewardship is taking care of our environment, but that is really only scratching the surface of real biblical stewardship. Real biblical stewardship understands everything belongs to God. He is the owner. I am the steward. Owners have rights. Oh, don't we live in that kind of a world today where everybody on social media, everywhere you go, is, this is my right. You see it, I do too. Owners have rights. Stewards have responsibilities. There's a huge difference. I have a responsibility. God has entrusted, Almighty God has entrusted to me the resources He's given to me, and I have a responsibility to use those wisely. Why? Because they're not mine. They're on loan from God. Psalm 24, 1 says, Everything that you and I have belongs to God. And the reason is because Genesis tells us everything that was made was made by God. He created it all. That's why he owns it all. 
The early church understood that. When, when, when I started to understand that I'm not an owner, yes, I work for a job now as a pastor, I get paid for that, great. But that money is not mine. That money has been given to me to be used as a steward to use it wisely, ultimately to give glory to God. Some of us along the way of our lives have had the opportunity, I've had this opportunity for maybe pay raises or, or an influx of income or God to give us more in our revenue to go up. In America, here's the way we think about that most of the time. We think God has raised our standard of living and our standard of income to raise our standard of living. So when we get an influx of resources, we think that's to raise our standard of living. Can I challenge you? Maybe it's to raise your standard of giving. Why is it most of the church in America limps along to try to accomplish the mission of God? It's interesting if you'll notice, and I know you've seen this because we're all alive. If you're not, elbow your neighbor. The world will spare no expense to get the message of the enemy out. They will sacrifice whatever they have to sacrifice to get the message of the world out. And until the church is willing to do it, we can watch TV and we can look at politics and we can look at all the raunchy movies and raunchy music and everything else coming out in the world and we can complain about it. But men and women, until we are ready to invest the same amount of time, passion, energy, money, talent into that as the world has, we're going to always be losing the game. And again, when this hit me two decades ago, when some friends who love me enough to sit me down that were my accountability partners and say, you know, you're doing great at being in the Word, and you're doing great at this and this, but how about giving? And I was like, how about we not talk about that? <laughs> Just being honest. Confession. You know, a pastor friend of mine told me this story recently. He said they had this time of giving at their church, and instead of passing the offering plate like they would normally do, he said we had told all the church congregation that they would have a time in the service where they would come down and they would bring their offering down front. And so they, the musicians played and people filed out of the seats and they came down and they put their offering on the offering table. And he said, Jack, I thought everybody was, was finished. Everybody was through. But he said all of a sudden out of the back pew comes this nine-year-old little boy. He said, I knew him. His name was Daniel. Here he comes down the aisle. And under his, under his arm, he has his piggy bank like a football. And it's like rattling. And the coins are rattling. And people are looking around. Like, Where's the noise coming from? And they see him coming down the aisle. And they start looking at him. And they're smiling. And they're, oh, that's cute. And they're pulling out their phones. And they're taking pictures. And they start shooting video. And everybody's watching. He comes up to the table. And he pulls the stopper out. And he starts shaking the piggy bank. And the coins are hitting the table and rolling off on the floor. And people are laughing and they're, they're taking pictures and stuff. He holds it up to the light, and when he's sure that all the, all the paper money is out, he's throwing that on the table, he puts the stopper back in, and he starts walking back to his seat. And my pastor friend said, Jack, by now, everybody in the sanctuary, everybody's watching him. All his eyes are on this little boy. He said, so I just figured, okay, I'll just go with it. And so he said, hey, Daniel, come here. And Daniel comes back up to the platform, and he says, hey, Daniel, buddy, Aren't you worried? I mean, aren't you concerned? You dumped everything out, out on the offering table, all your money, you dumped it all out. Aren't you concerned? He said, without hesitation, this little nine-year-old boy with brown eyes looked up at him and goes, nope, because my daddy will fill it up again. 
He said, Jack, people laughed like you did. He said, then it got very quiet. As people realized the magnitude of what that nine-year-old boy said, my daddy will fill it up again. Man, why do we hold on to stuff so tight? We have a heavenly father who loves us. He gave his most precious gift, and you and I are holding on to things that don't even matter. We think he's going to not give us his best. He already gave us his best. You can tell I'm passionate about this because God is working on me. Wow. Living in biblical stewardship might mean surrendering our finances to God. And it requires self-denial. And there is a couple in our church family that I believe is demonstrating exactly what we're talking about. And I want you to watch their video and see their heart from Stephanie and Tripp. Could you watch, watch this? We are Tripp and Stephanie Atkins, and today we'd like to share with you why we give to the church. A Bible verse that guides our family's giving is 1 Chronicles 29.14. It's a part of David's prayer where the Israelites gave willingly and freely to build the temple. The scripture says, But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. It's pretty simple. We give because that's the example that was set for us. Our parents taught us through their tithes every month about giving, and we started that when we were teenagers working at Crossway in the Greenville Braves. Back then, 10% felt like a much bigger piece of our check than it does today, but it's a discipline that we've built as a family. Giving has taught us about stewardship and living on less than what we earn. We've been able to see God bless us through bridging the gap in tight months, as well as giving us that peace in our spirit when we know we've given faithfully. We don't give because we desire anything in return. We give because we've been richly blessed. And when we give to the local church, we're giving back to God. We're making an eternal investment. Thank you both for doing that. There are many other, others of you in this congregation that maybe have similar stories. Uh, I've got something for you this morning. I'm going to ask Joey and Heath to pass these out. And if you would raise your hand, one representative per family... We want to make sure each family gets one of these envelopes. Don't, don't open it yet. I'm going to give you the cue when you can open it. But we want to make sure we get one per family. So if you're going to be the representative this morning for your family, could you just hold up your hand? We want to make sure we get everybody. Thank you, thank you. They're going to make their way around as quick as they can. And we're going to wrap our service up together here in just a couple of minutes. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will reap bountifully. 2 Corinthians 9 tells us each one must give as he's decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. The, the word there actually means giving hilariously. And I don't know about you, but I've got to be honest, it's hard sometimes when the offering plate comes by just to go, ha, 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 and drop money in there. <laughs> but that's really what the scripture is saying. We should be so happy about giving to the work of the Lord that we do it hilariously. How do we do that? Well, we've got to open our eyes. We've got to open our wallets. But we've also got to open our heart. I, I love this quote 
from, from Ariel Vogel said this, stewardship is not ordering your finances in a way that you can spend whatever you want. It's ordering your life in such a way that God can spend you however he wants. So I have to learn, we have to learn that our time, money, and energy will make the most impact when we're focusing on eternity. If you didn't get an envelope for your family, will you lift, lift your hand? Okay, a couple back here. Awesome. I think we're making, do we get the balcony? Working on the balcony too, do we get it? Okay. Thank you, Heath. So this morning, my prayer for you and prayer for me this week is that we would open our eyes, we would think about opening our wallet, we would open our heart. There's a great verse of scripture, and I grew up in, in Spartanburg, First Baptist Church, most of you know, and the pastor way back in the day when I was there growing up used to have us stand at the end of the service, and he would, he would say these words to us, may the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you. And we all would go, oh, that feels so good. And a few months passed by and he said, I want you to stand up this morning for the blessing because some of you think I made that up. That's actually in the scriptures, Psalm 67, verses 1 and verse 2, and there's no punctuation after verse 1. And so he said to us, may the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you so that his will will be done on the earth and his salvation will come to all people. Short translation, God has blessed you and he's blessed me to be a blessing. That's why he's blessed us. So if you've got that envelope, I want you to open up that envelope this morning. Be careful. Don't rip it in half. Be very careful. Some of you are looking at me inquisitively. Those of you that are visiting, let me just tell you, this is a one-time deal. <laughs> I see some people looking going, I'm coming to church here next week. <laughs> here, here's your instructions, and we're going to pray and we're going to wrap up our service. This was the church's money. Now it's your money belongs to you. My prayer would be that you ask God this week how he wants you to use that money. My prayer is that maybe even this afternoon, God will show you someone who maybe needs that money, who needs some help. Maybe he may tell you to take some of your money and the church's money and to bless somebody. That's between you and God. But that's the simple request is you would take that money this week as God directs you, you would pray and say, God, how would you have me use this money and impact someone? Don't, don't misunderstand. This is not about crossroads. So if somebody begins a conversation with you and they ask, why would you do this? You can just say, I love you and Jesus loves you. If they go, what, what, what kind of church would do this? If God leads you to say crossroads or they ask that question, that's great. This is not about promoting crossroads. Okay? This is about promoting 
the giver of all gifts, good gifts. So ask the Lord how he wants you to invest that money that belongs to you this week. It's now yours. We have been given the most precious gift, the gift of Jesus. If you're here in this place today and you've never received that gift, that is the most precious gift you can ever receive is the gift of Jesus that God gave us Christ so that we could be forgiven of our sins and have a relationship with him. And if you find yourself in that place this morning where you need to know him, I hope that you'll come grab my hands or my brother Heath grab his hand and just say, I need to accept that gift. This invitation is going to be open. The altar is going to be open. Maybe there's some other decision that you need to make today as you've heard the challenge from God's word. One other prayer request, if I can, that I have for our church families. One, that we would be a generous church. The other would be this. And so as of this moment, I'm calling our church into a time of prayer. I would love one of the other indicators for crossroads, identifiers of our church to be that we're people of prayer. One pastor is not the end all. I'm here to rally us together, for us together to do something, to accomplish the mission of God together. But it's not going to happen without prayer. So tonight we're going to pray together. We're going to talk about how we can be generous together. I'm hoping that some of you, even this afternoon, have the opportunity to be a blessing to somebody. If you are, we'll have a microphone down here for you to share your story. For some of you, it's okay. It may be a week that goes by, and you're still holding on to that money saying, God, tell me what I'm supposed to do. And that's fine. It may be two weeks go by, and you're still holding on saying, God, tell me what to do. That's fine. Ask the Lord what he wants you to do with that money that now has been entrusted to you. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the most precious gift of your son. Thank you for being a generous God. Thank you for every good and perfect gift that we receive, that we are so blessed. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us that is undeserved. It's because of your grace and mercy. So we thank you for all those gifts today. I pray if there's anyone in this place today who's never received the most precious gift of your son, that this morning they would slip out of that seat and come down here and grab my hand or Heath's hand and say, I need to have that most precious gift. For the rest of us who know you, Father, I pray that this week you would challenge us to take the gift that we've been given from Crossroads, this financial gift, and you would help us to go out and be a blessing, to be asking ourselves, how can we use this to glorify you? And then we would seek your face for that. And we love you, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. Would you stand with me? We're going to sing a song of invitation this morning. If you need to make some decision for Christ or maybe even join with this church, we welcome you to come this morning. Take my hand or Heath's hand. So let's sing together. Thank you so much.